Welcome back to Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. You're listening to B-Side Stories. I'm Perrine. And I'm Laura. And we are here with students from Wellington High. Kia ora, guys. Kia ora. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it'd be lovely to be here. Yeah. Um, what's your name? I'm Molly Doyle, and I'm from Wellington High School. I'm currently in Year 13 and also going part-time at Vic. Oh, look yeah. at you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about? Um, I'm Ursula Palmer-Steeds, year 11 in Wellington High School. Okay, and you guys were both quite heavily involved in the strike on Friday. And actually, we started planning this interview quite a bit before the strike yeah. <laughs> because we had that whole post-March strike. We wanted to have a bit more um, more of a follow-up discussion on the strikes, and then you guys just went and organised another one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, Molly, could you just tell me a bit about Friday from your perspective? Yeah, Friday, it was absolutely amazing. We've got estimates of about 4,500 kids turning up in Wellington alone to strike and around 16,000 around New Zealand. So a massive movement, so many people wanting to contribute to it, and it was just a phenomenal day, yeah. You also spoke at the strike. Yes, I did. I spoke at Civic Square. I um, did the megaphone part with David Lee from Wellington City Council and then as well as at Parliament to the closing speech for uh, the youth youth speakers. Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of things are you saying when you're up in front of those massive crowds? Yeah, so when we're at Civic Square, we're basically talking to David Lee about uh, declaring a climate emergency in Wellington and he said yes. We are. We're doing it. However, um, with in the last few days, we've had some responses from Wellington City Council talking about um, declaring a climate emergency and how they have to delay it until they get a response back from their zero city planning. So it's a bit of mixed messages there, but that was covered at Civic Square. Yeah. And at um, Parliament, I was talking about uh, moving on in the next campaign we're working on alongside Generation Zero. And yeah, so heaps, covering heaps of things. Wow, was the adrenaline just pumping? Yeah, it, it really was. Like, I never talked to so many people before, except for the strike before. But other than that, just <laughs> amazing, yeah. Um, and what about you, Ursula? How, tell us about Friday. Yeah, Friday was awesome for me. The second strike was just as amazing as the first. I'm not actually on the committee for climate strike, but I, it, like, speaking for the first strike, I spoke at it about it in assembly for my school, and it was so amazing seeing how many people just from my school that were so passionate and interested in going to these strikes and participating and taking action because I feel like these strikes have really brought out a sort of hope for the youth in this country because, I mean, before people sort of thought we didn't have a chance and now that they see that they have a chance to take action, then they're simply grabbing at it. Yeah. And so was it, um, was it quite emotional then? <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, when I gave a the speech in assembly during the first strike, when I was telling people why they should strike and why it was important, and I got a round of applause, not once but twice. So the first one was right in the middle of my speech, and I, I said something that everyone liked. So 
but I never really felt, because I'm very environmentally engaged within my school, but I never actually felt that same support from that range from the other kids at my school. I thought that it was a select few, <laughs> a yeah. group of environmental activists, but I, it really showed me that everyone cares. Yeah, and it seems like it's, well, I want to say an opportunity, but it's something that you guys have created. So it's not something that you've just used, but it's an opportunity that you guys have had to show real leadership and develop yourselves and do things that you think are really scary or... Yeah, definitely. Um, the amount of people that have got engaged and are now growing themselves and learning new things and becoming more aware is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's really a chance to see those people grow as well. Mm. Molly, you were uh, one of my questions was going to be, um, were you satisfied with the responses you got on Friday? And so you've maybe partially answered that with the mixed yeah. messages, but what about the wider responses? Yeah, you know, starting this movement with um, the Wellington crew, um, we were always satisfied knowing that we're there and we're the ones, like, working towards this and having other people wanting to as well. It's just, it's insane. Uh, we're so happy and we're so satisfied, even if it was like 10 people who turned out, that's 10 people who care and 10 people who want to make a change. So it's truly inspiring to see so many people out there. Yeah. And what about the big guys down at the Beehive? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they did come out and they did, they did listen and they did respond to some of our questions. Um, but I really admire them for coming out and listening because last time it was difficult for some of them and they to get some booze and stuff. So it's really impressive that they're still wanting to continue this conversation with us with some of the responses they got. But it's awesome that they're willing to listen and um, just hope we continue this conversation with them. Yeah. Mm. Um, so can I just ask, well, I'll start with you, Molly. How did you end up in this position of being a climate activist or <laughs> whatever you call yourself? <laughs> so I've always been really environmentally friendly. Like I've always loved the planet. My parents are really environmentally friendly people and always planting trees and stuff and growing up learning about what climate change is doing and human-induced climate change and how it's affecting the planet. It's, it's deeply concerning. So having a chance to go out and do something. Um, I recently got engaged in organising a climate change conference called the Climate Challenge in Wellington. So from there I met some people and then I emailed the organisers of the climate strike at the start of the year and got involved with the climate movement through them. So joining the Wellington team and just working with them making it grow, yeah. Is that something that you just jumped into without knowing any of the people? Um, I, I knew some of the people like mutual friends but um, yeah definitely joining a group with a lot of people I didn't know, but it was awesome to get to know them through the process, yeah. And Ursula, what about you? Um, how did you get into environmentalism and climate activism? Yeah, so basically, I mean, I've always cared about the environment, but I never really thought that I had the power to create change. But that all changed one day at the beginning of... Wellington High School when I was a year nine and it was I think it was the first term of me going there and so I was quite small quite timid not really in a position of leadership not really believing myself to be a, a leader of any sorts or an activist of any sorts but as part of science extension I was able to go see Dame Jane Goodall speak at Wellington Zoo and for the 
people, listeners who don't know who Dame Jane Goodall is, she's a renowned conservationist. She spent years studying chimpanzees in Tanzania, and she's gone through one of some of the most amazing scientific break, breakthroughs that have just redefined how we define animals and humans and tools and all this different stuff. And she's she's just really cool, <laughs> basically. But I went to go see her talk when I was year nine in the beginning of high school, and she sort of talked about this new age pessimistic depression that she'd witnessed consistently throughout youth all across the world. And I resonated, I resonated with that. I really did. I'd, I see that in my peers. I see that in myself because we don't, we don't feel like there is a chance for us. We feel like everything has been taken away. And that makes a lot of people angry, makes a lot of people sad. And as Jane Goodall said, makes a lot of people really depressed about their futures. And so they don't feel like doing anything about it. But she talked about this window of time that we have before it's too late and that we need to utilise that window of time before it's too late. Otherwise, it's all for nothing, really. And she asked us, I remember this is the, the real thing that really connected with me, was she asked us, put up your hand if you feel like the past generations have stolen your future, put up your hand if you're angry with them. And every single student in that theatre put up their hand. Every single one. And it was that moment that I felt that I wasn't alone. I felt that I had support and that I, I could be the person, you know, if not me, then who? So I went back to my school and I started up an environmental group there and it's still running to this day. Wow. And so do you, it's probably quite broad ranging and hard to say in just a couple of minutes, but um, if you could kind of summarize your demands or what you're wanting to achieve out of all of this activism, what would you say? Ursula. I mean, personally... With my activism, success in my eyes is just change. It's as plain as that. In terms of large scale, it would be great, so great <laughs> to get our, our country to carbon neutral. Yeah. Um, in small scale, yeah. probably just my school to carbon neutral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's good to have kind of smaller and really big goals, isn't it? Definitely. What about you, Molly? Um, yeah, so school strike, we have some demands. We recently striked to get an ambitious Zero Carbon Act through, so that looked like a, a Zero Carbon Act that um, affects all ministries and then um, actually secures a piece of legislation that allows us to uh, safeguard our future, pretty much, and... Um, also a climate emergency, so within New Zealand. Those are our two demands that we've just striked for. And um, today, actually, Chloe Swarbrick took uh, the motion of declaring a climate emergency into Parliament, and it was uh, turned down by National. So it was quite a disappointing day, to be honest. But um, we're still going to push for it, and we're going to really work towards that. So those are my wider goals for now. Yeah. But, yeah. <clears throat> Can I can I jump in and ask about the climate emergency stuff? Yeah. Well, there's yeah, sure. been a few councils around the country who've said, yeah, we'll declare a climate emergency. Um, yeah. Environment Canterbury, uh, Kapiti Coast District Council, yes. uh, close to home. Nelson, I believe. Nelson, yeah. yes. Very good. I think that's it. Yeah, they're the, they're, the, they're the leaders. 
Um, but one cynical side of me wants to say, uh, they're not going to change what they're doing. They're just, it's all for show. I guess, yeah. what would you say or how would you react to sort of a cynic like me? Um, you know, there's a worldwide, some um, governments have declared climate emergencies and lots of people are saying, you know, it doesn't mean anything. However, it does open up the conversation to a different scale and it makes more people aware. And I think, you know, Although legally it doesn't enforce and there's no binding rules within it, it does open the conversation for global leaders to have conversations as well as in New Zealand um, local leaders to have conversations. So I think it's it's definitely a plausible act. Like, you know, it's, it's really going to make sure that people are having the conversation, the knowledge is out there, and it's actually been declared for what it is. It really is an emergency and it's something we really need to act on. So I'd really admire those councils that have done that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm the same. What is the point of declaring an emergency if you're not going to act on it? But there is that aspect of if we declare an emergency, which it absolutely is, then it will put pressure on not just politicians, but also whole industries of our country, such as the agriculture. I feel like if our country treats it for what it is, then we'll all have to start adapting. It will be that push start for the actions. Yeah, also declaring an emergency will mean when um, local bodies make decisions, uh, they have to take it into account. So lots of their decisions within wherever they are will have climate emergency taken into account when they make the small, like, minor differences in legislation and stuff. So you guys are, I mean, the movement as a whole, School Strike for Climate, is trying to make a lot of change in a small amount of time, in the small window that we've had, where for decades there's been little to no action. So I guess I'm curious about how fast you expect your school, the country, like both the politicians, but also regular people in the street to respond to what you're the challenge you're laying down here yeah so the zero carbon act now known as the zero carbon bill will mean um, we meet 1.5 by 2050 however we're pushing for a more ambitious bill to 2040 um Within that, it will set up the legislation to make sure the government are making decisions to make these targets. They'll be legally bind- they won't be legally binding targets. However, it will um, have consequences if they don't make it, but they are unsure of what they'll look like yet. Um, throughout the select committee process, we're um, trying to engage heaps of youth and elder people around the country to engage and make a submission to make sure we can secure a 2040 target instead of 2050. Just shaving 10 years off right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Personally, I don't know um, the reasoning behind the 2040 exactly. However, lots of members of our team who wrote the um, demands have gone to climate scientists and policymakers to ensure that it's an actually reachable goal. And it is. I don't understand why 2050 is what we're aiming for when we can be there by 2040. So it's definitely something we want to push. So your position is that you're not asking for something unrealistic or unachievable? Not at all. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... It's 2040, it's it's easy to get to, we can do it. Where it's a chance for us to have a just transition and as Ursula would know from going from the Just Transition Summit, you know, we can get there, so why not? What about you, Ursula, with the, um, your goals for the school to become carbon neutral? What's what? When are you expecting that to 
when do you want that to be met and well it all depends I suppose which is sort of what our government is going through at the moment (laughs) (laughs) it all depends (laughs) Uh, yeah it's I'm really lucky to be part of Wellington High School because they're a really accepting group and the teachers are really on on board and the the principal's really on, on board so from a small-scale project where it's all just youth-led, student-led, where we don't have any positions of real power. We just have the positions of power that we have within ourselves to create change and to speak to people and to network and create that change through other people and through ourselves. Um, it's sort of all about those small, those small things that we do. So, for example, last year we implemented a recycling program into our school which we manage and clean ourselves. And seeing all the recycling that in previous years would have gone straight to landfill, even if not all of it goes into the recycling due to contamination, etc., it's still an amazing impact. And so even just small things like getting new bins has made a huge impact on our school. And that's just... a an example of things that we're trying to achieve to make our school at least more sustainably friendly. Can, mm. can I jump in? Mm. I, I have a question about the Just Just Transitions Summit um, that you went along to. Can you tell us a bit about that? Like, And for somebody who doesn't know that term, like, what do we mean when we talk about Just Transitions? Okay, so the Just Transitions Summit is sort of an event where I think 500, I think it's 500, 500 people from all around Aotearoa could be from any industry, there's politicians, there's youth, a whole lot of people all coming together to decide what our transition is going to look like in Aotearoa into a low emission society in the future. So as I mentioned previously to you privately before, we used this awesome program called Slider, which allowed us to ask questions and get upvotes to those questions, and then those questions are passed on to the administrators and the people speaking, and it's really great. And basically... So, oh, sorry. Yes, no, Does sorry. that just mean that the best questions get asked, not just the noisiest people in the room, or...? Yeah, exactly. It's not just the noisiest p- people in the room. It's the people who ask questions that a lot of other people want to know the answers of. So we don't get any of those questions that nobody really cares about, really. (laughs) Questions that aren't questions. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I think what I gained from the Transition Summit, I mean, I would have liked to see more youth representation, honestly. But it was was still pretty, pretty well represented. There was a, a youth group that got to ask Jacinda questions about it. And what I got out of it was that our country is still not doing enough. (laughs) <laughs> I would like it to do more. <laughs> I mean, which is, um, like, amazing people like Molly <laughs> are creating events to, like School Strike for Climate, which is amazing. It's really putting pressure on our government. Mm-hmm. But I remember at Just Transition Summit, I heard um, the deputy PM for Samoa speak and the PM for Cook Island speak. And they're both low-lying islands and they're being hit the hardest by climate change. And they spoke and they said that they're not, they're not trying to, to 
push back against climate change anymore because they already have to adapt to it. They're already being flooded. They're, they're already being affected by temperature rise and sea level rise and huge storms and all of that low-lying like islands that don't actually have a huge emissions product are being hit the hardest, and that's not fair. That's not fair. And we in New Zealand, we can sit up on our hills and gaze out across our wide, vast oceans and go, oh, look, the seas aren't rising. But if you can tell that to all of those beautiful Pacifica brothers and sisters who right now are having their homes taken away, that's not, that's not true. Yeah, that sounds, well, it makes you angry, doesn't it? Yeah, but and you're channeling your anger. <laughs> um, so, with that anger, that can often fuel you. But do you ever kind of get despondent with this kind of work? Yeah, definitely. Yep. I, That's a yes from Molly. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone in the space will. I mean, you know, you're always almost turned down when you do so much, and then. You know, you just have to build yourself up, up again to get through. But lots of um, negativity within the climate space. You know, it's a really pressing topic and it's difficult for people, yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's always going to be people that put you down and say, oh, what you're doing won't count, what you're doing isn't, it's not real, what you're fighting isn't real, the way that you're striking, oh, the plastic... The, the cardboard that you're using to strike, it's ruining the environment, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about people like Laura and I, people who are a bit older than you... Okay, a fair bit older than you guys, and... Swelled. <laughs> and care a lot about these issues, but we haven't had that same wave of activism. Yeah. What would you kind of ask or encourage people in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s to be doing right now? Now that we're in our 40s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20s. Um, <laughs> definitely engage in processes like submission processes for the Zero Carbon Act. Um, write your opinion, send it in. You know, everyone has a place in democracy and you might as well make it count. You've got the chance to go out and share your own values. Why don't you, you know? Um, people over the age of 18 also have the right to vote. So you should go out and be voting for environmentally friendly candidates. You know, people that actually really respect what you respect. So, you know, there's so many ways for you to engage. And within our movement, School Strike, we're also doing the Elbow Your Elders campaign. So getting youth to go out and talk to their elderly people in their life, not just grandparents, but anyone of any age, to engage in the submission process for the Zero Carbon Act. And, you know, just really create conversations and get more people engaged and just talk about it. Like, it's so important. It's the, our generation that's going to have to go through the worst impacts of climate change. So, you know, you've got the chance to really help us and, like, go out and chat with people, make conversations. So, so we do that. could... We could elbow our elders too. Exactly. It's for mm. everyone. It's, you know, we've chosen the name Elbow Your Elders so anyone can go out and talk to anyone about it. Like, it's it's so important. I just can't express the importance of the issue. So definitely go out and chat with people, make submissions and, and vote. <laughs> yeah, I think that movement Elbow Your Elders is especially important to the youth because as people below um, 18 who aren't allowed to vote... 
it can sometimes feel like we're not a, a huge part of democracy as much as our elders are. Yeah. And so being able to influence our elders, not like blame them for anything yeah. but or guilt trip them, but to educate them yeah. as to what we're going through. Because the, as you said, previous generations haven't had the same experience as we have where we've grown up listening to what our how our future is dying <laughs> where we were like oh okay maybe we should start doing something and then yeah so i mean systematic solutions are just as important as personal solutions Definitely. is what i would say for those adults out there who don't know how to make change and so i say yeah go out and talk to people do your own research find out what you can do to help yeah have you guys found that you've gotten better at having challenging conversations, especially with people who are older or more powerful than you? Yeah, definitely. Um, with Skill Strikes, you do lots of interviews and there's lots of people who confront you on small issues, personal issues as well. So it's just, you know, it does build you and like you know how to respond to them. So yeah, heaps of people. But it's easier to have the conversations now because, you know, you you really hold your values to you close and you're easy just to talk through solutions and have a proper discussion. And it's so good to have confronting views as well, you know. It, it, it makes you learn more, listen to the other side and then also think of solutions and how they can approach the situation as well. So, yeah. So you're not shutting down everyone's views who doesn't automatically agree with you? No, not at all. Like, I mean, so many people have grown up not believing in climate change and, you know, the science is fully out there now that human-induced climate change is real, it's happening now and it's happening fast. And I think uh, a lack of education to access to this information, it's one of the main causes of climate change deniers, or it is the main cause of climate change deniers, but, you know, I just think definitely holding those conversations and just taking time and listening to what they've got to say as well. It's really important to hear both sides, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's never been about, I mean, huge environmental movements like this. It's never been about guilt-tripping anyone, although a lot of people feel like they've been personally attacked and I think that's triggering subconscious reflexes of denial and all all of that yeah I and no one please know elders who are who are listening please know we're not trying to attack you <laughs> we're just trying to to live here <laughs> definitely <laughs> um so it sounds like your school has been very supportive of your action yeah and leadership what about other people in your lives yeah, my parents are fully supportive. They understand the the crisis, climate crisis, and they know something needs to be done. So they take steps in their own life to secure their being really env environmentally friendly. And um, yeah, everyone in my family's pretty engaged and quite supportive of me. So it's good. Lots of friends are as well. They want to get engaged themselves, join the movement. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 Same with me, and that helps a lot. My parents are really supportive supportive of everything that I do. My sister Gwen is a huge environmental activist like myself, so that's really, really cool to have right there in my household. Um, my grandparents are also very environmentally involved, so that's really great. That helps me. I don't have to elbow them. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I'm so grateful for having Wellington High School on my side with this because yeah, I hear so many stories of different schools that put on NCA internals specifically on the strike dates to stop students from going or threaten their students with suspension if they strike. 
and it's sort of like, oh, so you're you're punishing missing school by making them miss school. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh up. Seem to work. Um, I'm gonna, gonna weigh up these consequences here. <laughs> Challenge that one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's great that you guys have that support from your community, really. But mm-hmm. you did mention earlier, Ursula, about a student who, or a quite a young student who spoke at the first strike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, this. I st- it's one of my favorite moments from the two strikes that we've been able to experience here in, in Wellington. on During the first strike, a a kid, I think, so Molly, year seven, right? Yeah, year, year seven. Year seven. Yeah, um, he, he got up on, he got the microphone and he said, mum and dad, if you're listening, it's like, you said that I couldn't, it was impossible for me to be here today, but here I am and I'll continue holding you accountable. And it was so lovely. It was so lovely to hear from such a young child as well. I mean, in year seven, I wouldn't have ever done anything <laughs> like that. But it really gave me hope. Yeah, definitely Pretty powerful. Um, so you guys are also involved in stuff um, a bit broader than just the strike. And we've yep. talk- touched on a few of those things so far. But... Ursula, you mentioned that starting up the group at your school, is that Roots and Shoots yeah, that you mentioned? Roots and okay, Shoots. tell us about that one. So Roots and Shoots is a youth-led environmental group. It's part of the Jane Goodall Institute. She started up uh, a Roots and Shoots institution. Where and that is heaps of Roots and Shoots groups all over the world and we can all connect with each other and come together and work with each other, which is really helpful when you're an environmental group and it's all about connections. Mm. <clears throat> so... Roots and Shoots, yeah, we've been running for almost, well, maybe like two and a half years, I guess. That's a rough estimate. Don't hold me to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's been amazing to watch the, the group grow. At the start, it was pretty, uh, eh, you know, because I was just a year nine. Some seniors didn't want to listen to me. Yeah. Uh, that was a bit we like, oh, there's a year nine <laughs> lead, leading us. I don't think so. <laughs> but sort of like how our government ignores the youth. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> but um, so I sure I shouldn't say that. Our government, our government doesn't ignore the youth. Just that one person who are. Uh, from National, <laughs> who vetoed the uh, the climate emergency, not calling anyone out because we don't know who it is. So. Okay, but it's been amazing to watch this group grow, especially because there's been so many people who have stuck who stuck with me the whole way, while my leadership skills have grown, their theirs has, have grown too. There are people who have come into the group shy and have come out always talking and it's so amazing it's so amazing to see how that can help people as well from a social perspective we do projects such as we've worked with wellington zoo to make wetter hotel product um wetter hotel workshops where we make our own wetter hotels and then sell them or donate them for charity or for our future projects we run environmental weeks at our school to help get students engaged. Last last year it was to get people interested in recycling because we just implemented our recycling program so we wanted people to actually know how to recycle. Yeah. And so we get a whole lot of people from Sustainability Trust come do sustainable workshops about to do with cosmetics, like sustainable cosmetics that you can make at home. And things like we had Eugenie Sage come in last year and XPM Sir Jeffrey Palmer. 
And we had some people from Papataya, which is an amazing organisation to do with environmental education. I think it's the, the only environmental education at my school at the moment, which is... Um, we used to have a small course in Year 9, but we had to get rid of that to make room for more te reo classes, which is an amazing thing, because te reo is an amazing language, and we obviously need that, and more of that in our society. Uh, but I would like to see our environmental education implemented within our country's curriculum, mm. because how are we meant to... How? How is the government thinking that we're going to transition into a low-emission future if the students in business studies aren't learning how to create sustainable businesses, if the students in graphic design aren't learning how to do architecture sustainably and make sustainable um, products. It's really saddening to see the difference that it made in my school when we took out that environmental education aspect. The new year nines who have come in do not respect our recycling <laughs> bins. <laughs> really? So, it's true. It's um, <laughs> interesting to see the change, but yeah. Mm. And um, <clears throat> the Just Transition Summit, how did you end up going along to that? So I was, my flights were covered by Ministry for the Environment. I was invited by Blake, so that's the rebranding from Sir Peter Blake Trust. I, this year I became a Blakey, so that used to be, <laughs> used to be Yelf, that's Youth Environment Leaders Forum, but now it's just Blake Inspire, Yeah, which was one of the most amazing weeks of my life and that was just last month or the month before was it oh uh, yeah I'm pretty just recently <laughs> last holidays yeah. <laughs> and so that's when a um is it a bunch of environmental leaders from around the country yeah 56 delegates from all around Aotearoa and it's really amazing I, I didn't know any of them when I came in but then when I within one day I felt like I'd known all of them for years and we did things like political simulations and we went to go speak to local leaders such as the mayor of Hamilton and also go see farmers and what they're doing to help transition into a low emission industry of, ag of agriculture, which is not an easy task, mm. as you can imagine. And it was really amazing to be able to talk to these people and to be able to connect with the youth around Aotearoa and I, I'm really blessed to have been able to have that experience. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've also worked hard for it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what about you, Molly? You've, um, you said you're working on a zero carbon on the capital campaign. Yeah, um, well, so I'm one of the national and local organisers for School Strike for Climate, and through that we're partnering with Generation Zero, another youth organisation for climate change, climate change action, um, to release a campaign, well, we've just released it, called Elbow Your Elders, what we talked about before. Um, but, yeah, through that, engaging more people in the submission process for the Zero Carbon Act, and, yeah, uh, doing that. Yeah. Um, and so what's your specific work with the City Council? Um, oh, yes. So with the City Council, I've just, well, for School Strike for Climate, I've just written up a massive submission for the um, future city plan, planning for growth work. So 
Um, how, what what term are we talking? Like how many years into the future? Um, planning for growth. Uh, they had four or five solutions to what the city could look like in the future. I believe it was past 2060 or so on. But yeah, it's just engaging in that discussion and what it could look like. Yeah. What are your hot ideas of how um, the city looks yeah. in 2060? Or Well, Wellington City, um, our submission was mainly focused on growing upwards and having uh, free public transport and making it a more century, centrally um, based city. Mm. Yeah, so better for the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you see the city as looking quite different then, so taller and more... Green. <laughs> yeah. More green. Yeah. <laughs> can you do both at once? Yeah, you can. Um, there's so many ways to make sustainable architecture, and I think the city needs to invest in that to ensure that we're getting to carbon neutral, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about what's next for you guys? What are the next big campaigns? And yep. I mean, we've talked about some of them, but anything else we haven't covered? Um, yeah, so definitely Elbow Your Elders is going to be massive. We're going to work on the Zero Carbon Act and have a, hopefully a really big turnout in the submission process to ensure that we get an ambitious act through. And September we're going to be having a general strike and we're going to try and engage as many people nationally in the strike. Um, and so that's when people like Laura... Yep. And me. You engage and, and you, you yep. come and you support. Yep. <laughs> so we get out there. Everyone. Our listeners can yeah. get out there. You do. Definitely. There's yeah. a place. I'm going to be standing up there saying, Mum and Dad, <laughs> I knew I could be here. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, sorry, did you say that's August? September. September. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the date's unsure yet. There's going to be a massive global strike day, but we're going to make it a New Zealand strike as well. So get everyone engaged. Yes. Yeah. What's on your horizon, Ursula? Um, in terms of roots and shoots, we're sort of getting a, a restoration project underway. So there's a huge bank along our, our school, which is pretty steep, unsafe. Got a, we've, The first time we went down there, when we still had this project in mind, but not fully underway, was last sometime last year when we started our trapping program down there. It was full of rats, there was wasps, there were every weed in the book electrical wires that were badly placed. Oh. It was litter galore. Yeah. Pretty disturbing to see it in a school environment. And we've made it our goal for the, to get a project underway and we're working with Papataya to get start networking and to begin plans and projects to do with our to do with our restoration project. We also teamed up with the horticulture department to get this all all done. And we're working with CVNZ, who we're getting their professional opinion, that's Conservation Volunteers New Zealand, coming in to look at the site, telling us what we'll need to do, talking to other people, having similar restoration projects. And I know that it's a small scale restoration project for, I mean, in terms of restoration, but in terms of our school, we're pretty big. Yeah, that sounds great. And doing very, um, you know, local tangible things, at the same time as you're working with the school strike for climate and those broader issues, it kind of brings it. <laughs> You've got the um, the practical stuff and also the big picture stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. That is pretty much 
us for today. Awesome. Thank you both so much for coming along. Thank you for having us. And for keeping up the fight. Yeah. <laughs> got a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you've given us some um, good ideas for how people like us can get involved and inspired us too, I reckon. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.